Hello! Hey yo! I'm Iz. And I'm Sage. Welcome back to Iz and Sage. On today's episode, we're talking about Formula One. But before we get into today's topic, let's take a few minutes to share our penny thoughts. For those of you who are new to our podcast, welcome! We ask each other the question, a penny for your thoughts, and share what's on our mind. This is going to be something we've been thinking about a lot this week, or an article that we read, or something that we just thought was interesting. So is a penny for your thoughts. Okay, my penny thought this week is all about holiday cookies. Woo! I'm about to start baking so many different types of cookies. Too many, probably, for two people and their dog. Um, But I'm getting hyped. I'm super pumped. I'll report back on which recipes are the best, but... I wanted to know what are your favorite kind of cookies so that I can make you some next time I see you. I was going to ask you if you were going to send me some. <laughs> no. Yeah, so, okay, I'll tell you what I'm planning on making and then you tell me if you'd pick one of those or if you want something different. Um, I'm good with it as long as it doesn't have peanut butter in it. Okay, one of them is a peanut butter cookie with chocolate kisses, which I, I already know is not your jam. Um, so there's that one. I want to do chocolate crinkles, which are my favorite. It's like a chocolate cookie with powdered sugar. Um, I'm going to do these things I got at Trader Joe's called Pfeffernusa, which are some sort of German gingerbread situation. Um, and then just like classic cutout cookies. So that's what's on the menu so far. Um, but like, what's your favorite cookie? I know we've had some pretty good cookies together, but what's your all time? Oh, man, I think my all time <laughs> favorite cookie, it's it's classic. It's chocolate chip. I thought you might say that because I was thinking back to when we had Levan cookies in New York and I was like, those are so good. Um, Those cookies are the best. I don't think I can deliver something at that level, but I can make you a pretty good chocolate chip cookie, I think. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> we used to have a, a cookie contest in uh, in college. My uh, communication department used to have a cookie baking yeah. contest. All the professors and students were encouraged to enter, and they would pick the best cookies. And they were it was great, mostly because you could taste all the cookies. <laughs> That's like a great scenario because honestly, like celebrating Christmas growing up, there are always so many different cookies around. That's like such a part of the holiday for me. And when you're not around a lot of people, it's like it's a lot of cookies, you know, but having a lot of people to share them with or submit them to a competition. I really like baking, but I really don't need two dozen cookies in the house when I'm here by myself sitting next to the kitchen. So that's not true. Everyone can use that many cookies. That's a lot of cookies, dude. <laughs> But anyway, that's what's on my mind this week. Sage, a penny for your thoughts. So I've been thinking a lot about age recently. Uh, And do you think age is just a number that gets less and less important as we grow older? Or do you freak out just as much when you're older? I mean, you're only a year older than me, but still. (laughs) I mean, I don't think age gets less important as you get older but I don't freak out about my age like I'm not worried about getting older per se maybe that'll change in the future um but I think like I don't think it stops being important but there's so many milestones too when you're younger I don't know basically I'm not I'm not freaking out but I'm not totally ambivalent I don't know I feel like I I celebrate every year I'm like super excited about another year but I don't know. Will that go away with time? Is it less and less exciting too as as we grow up? I don't know. I mean, you're such a birthday person. I think that's a huge part of it too. Yeah. 
I like celebrating my birthday, other people's birthdays. Birthdays in general are great, so. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't separate. Like, you're always going to like birthdays, so I think by proxy, you're always going to celebrate getting older. This is true. This is true. I'm never, I don't think there's ever going to be a time where I'm not celebrating my birthday. Good. But who knows? If I don't celebrate my birthday one year, you can play this episode back to me. like you were saying i'll play this at the birthday party that i throw for you when Perfect. you don't want to celebrate yeah. <laughs> it's lights out and away we go we have a special guest with us today to talk about Formula One. We're friends from high school, so we've known each other a long time, a little over 12 years. We love talking about all things Formula One, the cars, the teams, the drivers, the tracks, and most importantly, fantasy teams. Without further ado, please welcome our very first guest, Vikram. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Uh, excited to talk about Formula One. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to the pod. So I think we should kick things off by explaining what Formula One is. Uh, Keeping in mind, we are not experts, obviously just fans, but I'll pass it to Seish and Vikram to talk about a little bit about just what Formula One is. For our listeners who don't know, how would you describe it? So there are 10 teams and 20 drivers, the best in the world. They race around tracks everywhere to win a global championship and the teams design elements of the cars and they try to go as fast as they possibly can that's the basic gist of it they go very very fast yeah uh, that's basically it i think i think anybody who's seen a formula one car knows it's a formula one car because also they look really like fancy and they have like fancy wings and stuff for that um but I i think that's probably what differentiates formula one from or, or Formula Racing in general, all of these fancy-looking cars. Formula One is obviously the, the peak of Formula Racing, and one would argue it's the peak of all motor racing, um, which which I would agree. I mean, it's it's the fastest cars going through the most complicated tracks uh, at the highest speeds, and you know every driver in motor racing wants to be a Formula One driver. Yeah, we can talk a little bit about how the points work too. So there are two titles that they can that drivers and teams can win. One is a constructor's championship for the team that builds the best car. And there is a driver's championship for the person who scores the most points. And how that works is there's a point system, obviously. And the person coming in first place grabs the most amount of points, followed by the second, but it goes all the way, you can score points all the way up to 10th position. And there are 20 cars on the track, so 10 people do not get points. In Formula 1, it's the fastest car wins, right? And the fastest driver wins. And everybody wants to be in the top 10, which is the point-scoring podiums. And I think it's interesting because every race is not just the race. Every race is always in context with the whole championship, like Sage was mentioning. So there's, there's a lot more behind every race than just what's happening on track. And that, I think that makes it pretty interesting. From an, it, it takes the whole year, and like, it, it's a long-running sport, right? So... It, I think uh, the season starts in March, or the usual season starts in March and ends in December. This year was obviously uh, pretty different. Yeah, so. it's 
it, it was pretty different and they still like managed to have 17 18 races. races yeah yeah 17 races this this year which was pretty awesome given the circumstances yeah i think it's crazy how long this season is too because i was going to ask like for reference this was my first year following it week to week um and it felt long even though it was essentially a half season I think it's interesting too with two drivers per team because you get some inner team competition as well as the competition with the larger driver pool. Um, so it's definitely getting into a little bit about how we got into Formula One for me as a, like a new fan, so to speak. It's been very interesting to learn about the dynamics, not just like Vic, what you were saying, like off the track too, like the entire like machine behind it is kind of fascinating. Yeah, a lot goes into the development of those cars even through the season. And so squashing down the season probably changed the way they were able to change the car and improve the car. But how did you really start watching Formula One, Isabel? (laughs) Okay, so I got into Formula One through Sage. Um, Probably not a surprise, but we actually... um, I knew she was a huge fan. We were going to watch the first race of the year. She was so excited, so... Leading up, the races are on Sundays typically, and we spent the entire weekend leading up binging the show Drive to Survive, which is a Netflix documentary about Formula One. Highly recommend. We'll talk about it more. Um, but that essentially gave me the crash course and to who all the drivers were. By the end, I had favorites and I had least favorites and I had all these opinions that you're about to hear. Um, so that really was my intro, but I know for both of you, it's very different in terms of how... I'm actually curious how you both got into Formula One because I don't know how. I just know you have been into it for quite some time. Uh, yeah, so for, for me, Formula One is, is, is a pretty uh, fun story. At least I think it's fun. Uh, but uh, so like, I mean, Sage knows this, but I've always been into like technical things and into engineering things, um, even in like high school and stuff. Um, but uh, so I always knew about form like I, I always knew Formula One was a thing. I never really got into it, but it was always like, yeah, that's kind of cool. And then a couple of years ago, I was sitting at work, um, uh, and I was scrolling through social media, and I came across a, a a video showing the highlights of some race, um, and I was like, yeah, you know, Formula One, it's cool, whatever. And I scrolled past it, um, and then I scrolled back and I was like, you know what? I think Formula One is really cool. I think it could be a really interesting hobby to get into. Why don't I dive into it? Just this. And I, I usually don't think about things like so consciously and actively, but I was like, this one, like, let's do it. You know, let's actually actively get into it. So I started following Formula One, their their Facebook page and, and their social media accounts and stuff like that. And I mean, credit to them, they do an amazing job on the social media front, which actually keeps you engaged. Uh, but so I, that that's how I started getting into it. And then, you know, got deeper and deeper. And I was like, hey, this is really, like, really cool. And it, like pure serendipity, uh, I happened to turn on Netflix one day. And just that day, they had launched Drive to Survive. Um, and this was me just getting into Formula One. And, uh, and I was like, this is amazing. This is like so perfect. I'm going to watch this entire documentary. I watched the whole thing in three days or whatever but that show was amazing and, and like you said we, we talk about it but the show is amazing it got me really into formula one and it, it sort of dovetailed so well with with you know my previous interest that i kind of stuck to it and then it's like it's become like a definitely a big hobby now i think 
there's three different parts to Formula One, which is the one is the on track racing, which is what we watch every Sunday. It's great. The second piece is the the engineering behind it and the development of the cars and the technology. As an interesting statistic, I think it's um, if the fastest car on day one raced the same car on the end on the last race of the season would be the slowest car on track because through the year they all the teams develop so much that the the fastest car in the beginning is the slowest car at the end. Um, so that that's the second piece is the engineering part, and the third piece is the what I call the driver politics. But it's all about all, all the you know off track drama that the drivers have and the the characters that the drivers are, uh, and how the teams work together. That's three parts that keep you engaged. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I would say I would even like go so far and say there's a fourth part of it, and I know that like this falls in under that like category of quote unquote driver politics. But I mean, I think social media plays a huge part in how they're viewed. Um, but also like the press conferences that they do and how they talk to the media is also a very big part of that. Yeah. Um, some of them, like they, like they, they might be like more reserved or whatever when they're talking to news reporters, but they might be more open on social media and everyone uses social media differently. And the same goes for these drivers and team principals and the looks and the teams itself too yeah not to mention it's like you know for for those who haven't seen it's teams like ferrari and mercedes and like huge names they have sponsors like rolex like it's a very like it's the spectacle of it too is fascinating for sure yeah. the spectacle is amazing and, and and you said like they have the, the fanciest names they have the biggest sponsors yeah. it's a huge money machine like it's, it's ridiculous and and if you see in like a in a normal year, a race at Singapore, a race at Monaco is a huge celebration, huge party. They always have like a Formula One carnival happening, and they've had Red Hot Chili Peppers perform in the middle of the track. Like it's a, it's a little ridiculous. It yeah, is. It is kind of wild. <laughs> a lot for something for everyone, you could say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I started watching Formula One. Uh, when I was a wee little one, when I was a young girl, uh, I watched it growing up with my dad. Um, we would watch the race every Sunday. Um, I don't know that I watched qualifying. I would have to ask him, <laughs> but, uh, I was very interested in it and it was a great way for me to spend time with him. And then when I went to college, I sort of stopped watching, um, partly because I just got busy. I had to study <laughs> and do other things. and. Um, time zones wasn't the best so uh I stopped watching and then I uh actually I went to visit Vikram here and uh he was very graciously reignited my obsession but yeah that's how I started watching and that's how I ended up like uh, like re-watching it I guess or getting back into the sport yeah and so I was a longtime fan I mean, I'm asking a question I feel like I know the answer to, but you would co-sign that Drive to Survive does a great job summarizing Formula One itself. It's like, I loved it. Vic loved it. As like a longtime fan watching it, was your initial reaction like, oh, they got this all wrong? Or how did you feel about it? I think that it definitely is a good stepping stone into the sport. Like if you don't know what's happening or what's going on or what the sport is even about, like what is formula one i think it's a great starting point for sure but i think like 
um the more into it you get the more and more like like Vikram even like alluded to like that there's so much behind the like technical aspect of it that you can learn it's not just what you see in the show there's things from like strategy development like the driving itself the management of teams it, there's so many small details that go into this sport um yeah. that it's it's hard to ca- encapsulate that through one show but i think it definitely does a good job of introducing it yeah for sure like you said the, the sport has has something for everything so i think that the show did an amazing job of showing the intensity of the sport because a lot of people will see it and see oh it's a bunch of cars going around a track like great and they're so fast honestly when you watch it on tv it doesn't feel fast i mean it's ridiculously fast but it doesn't feel fast right but uh the uh the, the show did a really good job of showing how intense the sport actually is and what it how yeah. intense it is for a driver to be in that car going you know 220 miles an hour like hurtling down a straight and then slamming the brakes all while like not hitting the guy next to you like that was amazing and also i did a great job of showing who the drivers are who the characters are why it's so important you know what team dynamics are like within the team outside the team who are the team leaders and and how they function and how the politics works i, I don't think it did a good job of showing the the technology in the sport which is a huge part of the sport but then again that's not for everyone right like netflix made it for their audience who was like so I mean, the show was amazing no no doubt about that highly yeah. recommend like put it on your yeah. list a hundred percent. I think the I think part of that too, like them not showing the technical development of the car, is that like so much of it is a secret, and they're not gonna like reveal all of this stuff to everyone to the public. So, um, yeah, it's I wouldn't expect that to be in the show either. Yeah, and as as a stepping stone into the show, I think it's great uh, because to un- to get the point of the sport, understand the point of the sport, you don't have to understand race strategy. I mean. If you do understand, it's great, and when you do get get into it, it's amazing. Like, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and the split second decision making that goes into sport is is a lot of fun to watch. But maybe Netflix is not the right place to show it. But the show is an amazing magnet, also for people who just get into it and then you you stick with it. Yeah, for sure. I think so. I think that it does an amazing job, like bringing in new people and gaining new interest. Agreed. So Vikram, who are some of your favorites? Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough question. I guess the, the, there's 10 teams, right? And and again, the show does a great job of this in general, but even like uh, just, you know, being in the sport for a couple of years now, every team has such a unique story and every a lot of the drivers have such unique stories that it, it's like, uh, you know, you end up liking all of them. Like Red Bull is an amazing story, right? They're a drinks company, and here they are, like championship-winning Formula One, like race car builders and race car drivers, right? And why would you think a drinks company can be faster than a Ferrari? But guess what? They can. So that's a great story. Ferrari is a great story as well, right? They historically they make fast cars. That's they make fast cars and they make fast red cars. And all the Ferrari Formula One cars are bright red, and they race and they're fast and they're championship-winning cars. That's great. Williams is a small company. They only do racing. They don't do anything else. They don't make cars for the road. They're just a racing team. And they're championship winners. That's that's great. Mercedes, you would think, are really fast cars. But historically, they've never really had a fast car, except for the last five, six, seven years. 
that's a great story. McLaren was amazing at Formula One. They suddenly sucked for many years and nobody knows why. And now they're back to being amazing. Like all of these are such great stories that you can't, like it's hard to have a favorite team. Um, I will say Mercedes is my favorite team, but that's, that's a different story, I guess. I, I have a slight inkling, inkling that it has something to do with Valtteri. No, that's actually not true. No, that's not that's not true. I I think they are probably my favorite team is because I, I actually really like the team leadership. I think Toto Wolf is is great, and I think how the team functions as a team is a great is and just I just like I just like how they function as a team. Uh, it does take a lot to try and get to that understanding of how they function as how different teams function. Like the show, you won't just get that by watching Drive to Survive, but if if you're in the sport, you get a feel for each team and how and how they think. Uh, I just like how how Mercedes thinks. Like they're the fastest car by a margin. Like they're like three seconds ahead of the next guy, right? And and in Formula One, three seconds is like a whole universe. Uh, so you know when when a Mercedes car qualifies one point eight seconds ahead of the next Red Bull car, you're like like there's no competition. Like one point eight seconds is the whole race. I like the way you put it in that, like, there's a reason to support every single team, essentially, because that's, like, how I feel about it, too, especially seeing the backstories of the drivers. Um, I think it's a valid call-out as well that, like, you got to respect what Mercedes has done, and Lewis Hamilton in particular. Like, I get there's criticism, but game respects game, you know? Like, if somebody's consistently winning and if their car is consistently doing so well, like, that speaks for something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The driver plays a big part, right? Because... Because the, I mean, in my opinion, I think the car is 60 to 65% of the winner uh, and the driver is, you know, 40% impact. Like, the question is margins, right? How much faster is the car? How much faster is the driver? But in general, I think that that's probably approximately right, 60% car and 40% driver. Um, but they both play such a crucial crucial role. And, and even the drivers, and obviously the grid changes every year, right? Drivers get hired and fired. And there's only 20 seats. Um, but some of the drivers that are on the grid today are like unreal. Like you said, Lewis Hamilton, right? He's seven-time world champion. The only one who's ever done that before is Michael Schumacher. And he's like the greatest guy to drive to drive in Formula 1. Even like Sebastian Vettel is four-time world champion. At one point, he was the youngest ever winner in Formula 1. He did amazing with a B team, got to Red Bull, four-time world champion. And then he kind of disappeared, right? He joined Ferrari and... They're not gelling and now he's moving again. Um, and then you have like the whole new generation of drivers on the grid right now, which is Lando Norris, George Russell, Alex Albon, um, who was on the grid this year. And these guys are like straight out of F2, like the new new generation of, of drivers and they're going to, they're all like super fast. Um, so, I mean, he, apart from the team characters, like all the driver characters are also really interesting to follow. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how you said, like, uh, like you think it's 60% car, 40% driver. I think, like, there that's, like, a huge debate, like, in the Formula One community, like, how much of it is actually the car and how much of it is the driver. Like, if you put anyone in a Mercedes car, will they be able to produce the same results as Lewis Hamilton? Yeah, I mean... And that's why I think it's 40% driver. Right? I don't think anybody in a Mercedes car can produce the same results as Lewis Hamilton. And take his teammate, right? Valtteri Bottas is objectively, or at least 
he, he's fast, there's no doubt about it. But he's not shown that he's as fast as Lewis or he's faster than Lewis. Um, he is my favorite driver. That's not the point. But, That's uh, what I was just trying to get you to say. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but, but there's also a very logical reason why he's up there on my driving list. Yeah. But the fact is, like, there are faster drivers and there are slower drivers. And you put a fast driver in a fast car, he'll do amazing. He, if you put a fast driver in a slow car, he'll, you know, he'll do well, but it's not going to be as, as fast as him being in a faster car. So. Yeah, I mean, like, you bring up the case of George Russell, essentially, who was... Yeah. Who's drives in the Williams almost all the races this year, and then he drove in a Mercedes and did really, really well for himself, um, given the circumstances yeah. of that race. So... Yeah, so exactly. So you, he, he's a fast driver. Everybody knows he's a fast driver. He's a Formula 2 champion. And he, he shows up, he drives the slowest Formula 1 car on the track. And sure enough, he's all the way at the back, right? But suddenly, you know, Lewis gets COVID and you put George Russell in a fast car and he does amazing. Uh, so it's definitely not only the car, only the driver. But I do think that there's a leaning towards the car. Because you can put Lewis Hamilton and Williams all day and yeah i think it's also like how that team works like how well they communicate with the car like it's not just the driver in isolation or the car it's them like learning each of those components together this question for me is a little bit different because i think i've like i said i watched the sport for a long time so my favorite drivers have evolved and kind of evolved i don't know so when i was growing up i think kimi raikkonen was like my favorite guy in the whole world he's my favorite driver he still is (laughs) It's amazing. I love that he's still in the sport at age 41 or something, um, driving a Formula One car as his quote-unquote hobby. Um, so he's definitely on my all-time favorites, but I think right now, who like from whoever is on the grid, I think my favorite drivers, I don't think I can pick one, but I think if I did have to pick one, I think it would be George Russell. Um, I think... Charles is up there. Lando's up there. Carlos is up there. Let me name the entire grid now. (laughs) It really is hard to narrow down, especially when you see all of their backstories and like nobody gets to be a Formula One driver without working as hard as like yeah, yeah, like without earning it in a lot of ways. Yeah, but but that's right. Like even like nobody gets to be a Formula One driver. Like period. Like there's twenty guys. That's it. There's, you you might be the fastest person in the world and you, you can work as much as you want, but end of the day, there's 20 seats and you either have it or you don't have it. And yeah. it's, it's actually interesting. It's one, of the, it's one of the sports where a spectator will just never know what the sport actually feels like. You can be a fan, you can watch, you can do what you want, but you just will never feel, oh, like only a handful of people in the world will ever get the opportunity to drive a Formula One car. And as a spectator, you won't ever know what the sport actually feels like. Which is like, unlike unlike golf, unlike tennis, unlike soccer, like you can go and play all the sports. You can't go and do drive a Formula One car. <laughs> yeah, there's just like Probably for the better. There's just like a few G forces involved, like a little bit, and like you know, expensive machinery that needs insurance and it's like a super details. license that you need to earn. So. Yeah, it is a lot that goes into becoming a Formula One driver. And I think that 
like you said, it's not just like these these drivers are the best in the world, and there are more than twenty of them that could be in these seats. Like there are drivers who are really talented and um, could be in a Formula One car, but there are only twenty seats. So part of it does have like luck plays into it for sure. I think money plays into it too, and um, that's just how like there's so much about the sport that we just the inner workings of it that we as outsiders don't know yeah for sure no I think Albon is my favorite driver and he's like a prime example of he was pulled in in the middle of the season pulled in dude I love him I love his backstory Vic is Um, shaking his head right now for those (laughs) who can't see him yeah you can't see but I will stand by my choice of him but I think he's another example of um just remembering like stepping back to say like being a formula formula one driver is a huge feat um even though he didn't get the results maybe he would have wanted as well as maybe the team support and that brings it back to it's not just the driver in the car it's the entire team behind it yeah yeah no i I wasn't i wasn't disapproving of your choice i was saying it's a little sad given what given his latest circumstance would you like would you like to explain his latest circumstance yeah it's it's really sad so like i mean like is said right like his his backstory is amazing he came from thailand he was super fast suddenly you know he went through a family crisis he lost his funding he got kicked from the team and he did he didn't have anything and then kind of out of nowhere he he drove really well in formula 2 and red red bull or you know toro rosso at the time needed a driver and they didn't have anybody so they just picked the, picked him up from formula 2 gave him a surprise contract he did really well and then half the season later, he gets promoted to the Red Bull team. He, he does really well on track. Like, you know, he performed well. And then this year was his first full year with, with, with the Red Bull racing team. And he did well, no doubt about it. But it just wasn't, wasn't as good as the team would have expected him to do, um, you know, given, given the car that he was driving. And unfortunately, he was kicked from the team. And uh, he was replaced with Sergio Perez, and and now Albon will be the reserve driver for Red Bull, uh, which which is nice that he gets to stay within the Red Bull family. You know, he's still in the Formula One team. He's just not going to be on track. Uh, and and for a driver with his talent, and he should like some of his overtakes on track have been phenomenal, right? In fact, in his first race for uh, for Red Bull, he raced in Belgium last year in 2019. And he started all the way in the back of the grid. He finished in fifth place. And the deciding overtake he made, he pulled the car onto the grass and he, and, and you know, he overtook Sergio Perez, who's now replacing him on the team, which is funny. Uh, but, I mean, it was an amazing move. Like, takes guts, guts, takes guts to put a car onto grass at 220 miles an hour. Yeah. So the guy's amazing. But sad that he's being replaced by Sergio Perez. He definitely likes the outside overtake. Yeah, um, I think that is a good transition into our next topic, which is going through 2020. What did racing look like? It was the 70th year anniversary, I believe. So we can talk about that. And then we're going to highlight some top races, some top moments. All of our favorites are going to come back up. Um, yeah. Cool. So, I mean, Formula One has been around for a long time and uh, for 70 years now. And I think one of the... Ferrari is the only team that stuck with it through all 70 years, um, which is awesome. And they have an amazing history, uh, as do all the teams, but uh, they have a pretty unique one when it comes to the sport. 
um, a lot of teams celebrated big races. I think Haas, the Haas F1 team celebrated 100 races and uh, Ferrari celebrated 1,000 this year. They managed to do all like do all of this in the middle of a pandemic, which was pretty insane. They isolated themselves and they created a Formula One bubble essentially and were able to go racing and do this sport without without any audience, so to speak. I mean, like obviously we were watching at home, but they couldn't feel that live energy that's normally there. Yeah, it's amazing. Like a Formula One bubble is like two thousand people you know all all the teams all the engineers all their support staff all the drivers all like the and you know we can talk about it but the logistics of formula one globally is is ridiculous because the, you have to fly these cars all over the world and you have to fly all the engineering stations all the parts for every single race all over the world and to have 17 races in these conditions was was phenomenal I think. yeah really amazing an amazing achievement yeah, the logistics of Formula One are very intense. I'm sure they have a whole like dedicated department for logistics. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. There's a whole documentary about it. It's great. Yeah, no, I agree. It's been having it come back and having it be something to follow has definitely been a highlight, even as a new fan. Um, I think one thing too that stands out to me, especially we know this year there was a pretty scary accident with Grosjean, which is one of the drivers, um, and just seeing. Like, it's an accident that he wouldn't have survived in the past, but because of, like, the steps they've made to make it a safer sport, he was able to walk away from literally a burning vehicle. So it's, like, interesting, too, just to see. In some ways, I do think they could progress a lot more. For example, there are, like, literally no women ever anywhere involved, and I think that could be a chance to improve for sure. But at the same time, like, there are also very important steps being taken in terms of, like, making sure the drivers are safe no matter what happens and they're enabled to take the risk they need to to do like a successful race yeah yeah i mean that's not for you to there there are women involved uh claire williams was team principal of 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 williams i mean one team principal who's no longer like i agree like it is what it is but also what what we don't see right is is so the alfa romeo reserve driver is a girl Uh, she's super fast um, they and there's a lot of there's a lot of women drivers who who drive and they're all super fast to develop a develop the car but also in like the other racing teams that that progress in Formula One and um, I, there are a lot of women engineers and what what a lot of what we don't see right because there's teams in there in the factories like while the race is going on there's a team at yeah. the track but at the same time there's a live team who's actually doing engineering work on the car remotely. Uh, from the factories and and there's women there we don't see them in the car and they're not on tv but the team is is as well yeah i just want to see more i think is my grip like i want to sure, see them on TV. That's, that, but that's, that, that's a good idea <laughs> that's like gonna be a long-standing gripe i feel yeah. like <laughs> we did introduce the we races one initiative showing a united front against racism addressing inequality and diversity in the sport so it is cool to see formula one as a whole pushing for equality and change um, but let's go ahead and move on to the next subject. Yeah. So what are what were your top races? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think uh, Austria was a great one because Valtteri Bottas led from lap one, and he and he won. So that was a big big win. That was one for uh, me too. I I. And also that race was just an exciting. I think we watched that race together. Yeah. But that was such an exciting race. 
last lap or last uh, the last like uh, three last three laps or last four laps, um, Albon made a move on Lewis Hamilton, and he was going to take third place. Unfortunately, you know they made contact and Albon spun out into the gravel. He crashed, uh, and Lewis went on, and that was a big that was a big uh, event because just three races earlier, so last season. Um, Albon was about to make his first Formula One podium, and Lewis Hamilton hit him, and he spun, and he lost out on his podium. He came last, and two, you know, three races later, exact same thing happens where Albon is about to make his first podium in Formula One. He gets hit by Lewis Hamilton, and he spins, and he loses out, and he comes last in the race. Yeah. Uh, but I think that race was exciting. I um, mean, that was also the first like Lando Norris's first podium. That was Lando Norris's first podium. And yeah. Also, I think. That for that race, like I mean, in testing, I think we saw that the Ferraris were pretty slow or slower than yep. they should have been or than we expected them to be, and so when we went coming into this race, like I think none of us really expected them to be on a podium, and it was kind of shocking that on the first race of the season, yeah, they were there. Ferraris on the podium. That's true. That's true. Because everybody was expecting the big three to remain the big three, but I think this year there was that's definitely not the case. Yeah, the big and, the big three being Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari. Yep, yep. Because for the last so many years, you know, they've been like two seconds ahead of everybody else, right? It's always been the the top six positions are kind of fixed uh, between the three teams, and I mean they they obviously switch between the three teams, but it's very rare to have somebody like who's not in one of these three teams to be in the top five or top four or top three drivers yeah and then and i mean it's it's what they call like the battle of the the best of the rest Um, right exactly which i mean this year mclaren did really well and ended up p3 the constructor championship which is awesome (laughs) other races i think turkey was an interesting race that's that's not a track that we raced on earlier and was totally wet race um i was a big fan of uh bahrain uh, the second race in Bahrain, so the Sakir Grand Prix, that because Sergio Perez won that from the back, uh, he spun out on lap one, or he was hit on lap one, and then he basically, through the entire race, had to come from last, and he he ended up coming first, uh, which is an amazing, super drive. I mean, I think that race was just like super entertaining in itself. Like not enter. I mean, yeah, okay, that we were watching it, it was entertaining, but like it was super exciting because. There was so much other stuff that was also happening. Like, yes, Sergio got hit in the first lap, and then Max and Charles got were like didn't finish. They were out in the first lap with that contact with him. And then you have like George and the Mercedes with Lewis not on the grid and Valtteri, and that then their double pit stop failure where they couldn't where they put the wrong set of tires on the wrong car and. Which, like, never happens, right? Mercedes is such a perfect operation. They function so so well, and suddenly, like, this crucial moment, like, they have two cars coming first and second, and suddenly it all crumbles, and, and, you know, they put the wrong tires in the wrong car, and it's, like, basically all falls apart in in four seconds. Well, I mean, and then, like, even after that, George came back, and he had to go into the pits again, got another set of tires, and then he was making his way back up, and he was in second place, and then he, he had a puncture. puncture again. Yeah, and he had to go in again to get a new set of tires. And he could have won that race had that not happened, but like it did happen, so he didn't. 
but he did get his first points for his Formula One career, so I was happy with that. Yeah, and it was super exciting, too, because it was the second and last race of the season. Yeah, yeah. Talk about ending with a bang, but a lot lot happened there. For sure. One of my favorite races, actually, of the season was Monza. Which was the Temple of Speed. Yes, and they call it that for a reason. And they, I feel like everyone was like, well, what's the point? Like, last in 2019, when Charles won, it was insane because Ferrari hadn't won in Italy in so long. And, I mean, even just watching it on TV, you could tell how excited the fans were and how much energy was on that track when he won. And, like, going into this race, we sort of knew that the Ferrari cars weren't as fast and that we thought that an Italian car wouldn't end up at the at the top, but it did because Yeah, that's true. <laughs> because uh, Pierre Gasly won in the Alpha Tari. Yeah, it was complete complete surprise. Like I don't think anybody expected that. Like that I, I actually didn't end up watching that race live, but um I was watching it and I and Sage has has an issue with me about this, but I can look at a race result without watching the race and still enjoy the race. She doesn't believe it's possible to look at a result and still enjoy the race. But no, no, that is not that's not necessarily true. I think that it takes away from the excitement and the anticipation of sitting and watching the race and rooting for your favorite team and favorite driver. I think yeah, that yeah, you I, don't believe I, that. I don't believe that, right? So I looked at the result. And I had my fantasy team, right? And I was like, okay, this is great. And suddenly the result is so out of whack. Like, it's ri- like everybody's like, what is this? Like, you have no Mercedes on the podium, no Red Bull on the podium, no Ferrari on the podium. You have an Alpha Tori, which is like a B team. Uh, and and suddenly, you know, Pierre Gassi is on the podium. He's won his first race ever. And I was like, like, what? And everybody was so, like, confused. In fact, I think it was funny. There was a Swedish guy and he bet 20 cents uh, of, of Swedish kroners on this exact podium combination. I think it was Gasly, Carlos Sainz, and um, I want to say Ricardo was third, uh, but I, I don't remember exactly who, but he bet 20 cents on this exact combination. He won 33,000 uh, Swedish kroners. Like, that, that's how like impossible we thought podium was but whenever these things happen in formula one where you have an unexpected winner it's usually because the race was really interesting and fun to watch yeah like it's because the top drivers got taken out somehow unfortunately but as gasly is another one of my favorites um so seeing him on podium love to see it but i agree that it just means it was a very exciting race because it broke all of like what was expected to happen but Love to see. And I think that's something cool about Formula One and one of the differentiating factors is that every track is different. It's something I didn't really understand going in, but like the number of laps are different, the turns, like the entire experience varies depending on where they're driving and they drive all over the world. Exactly. I think in a usual season, they've had 21, 22 races. I believe next year they're going to have 23 races uh, and it's all over the world, different, you know, it's, it's only, they only race a track once a year. Uh, and 23 different tracks, 23 different locations in the world. Um, and every track is completely unique. So each car has to be set up 
to work well on that track right the extreme examples is monaco which is you know one one would argue the most famous race in the world and everybody wants to be at the monaco grand prix and you know the all the royalties are there and the fancy yachts and all lined up but just that track is such a short track in such a tight space um and it's such windy turns that the cars have to be completely differently set up right so they're they're designed to have so much so many wings on the car that it just pushes the car to the ground and you have so much downforce you can actually turn whereas the the opposite is monza right which is uh, the fastest track in the world and you, you you're going in a straight line as fast as you can you make like you know six turns or seven turns through the entire course of the race um or per lap uh but those cars are just designed to take off as many wings as you can just so the car can just go as fast as possible in a straight line uh, so every track like you said is completely different the whole the dna of every track is different yeah that's super valid let's talk about um some specific drivers and teams i know we hit on some favorites already and we've hit on some standout moments from 2020 but any thoughts on how the teams performed this year how specific dri- drivers performed uh sure i mean so this year was like diff- different obviously because of covid uh so you know we there were some situations where some drivers did get covid and you know as as tight as we make a formula 1 bubble given the circumstances that was kind of expected um but i think we have to like at this moment like we would have to mention nico hulkenberg yeah fair enough fair enough and that, he, he's great he's a great driver yeah he jumped into that racing point car and did an amazing job he's a super talented driver he's amazing unfortunately he didn't have a he didn't get a seat this year cuz cuz uh, he was driving with renault last year was the you know french uh, auto company and he got kicked unfortunately and he was replaced this year but um you know when on very last notice i believe it was three occasions where a driver got covid they called up nico hulkenberg he's like hey you're an amazing driver sorry you don't have a seat but one of our drivers has covid can you be the emergency reserve driver because we have a reserve driver but you're faster than him so uh so can you come over and in so many ca- i think the most extreme case was um i forget where they were racing but sergio perez got covid after practice and they literally called him at like 6 p.m. on one day and they said we're sending you a plane can you get on the plane and show up here and by the way can you drive in qualifying in like 40 minutes after you land and he was like yeah let's do it and you know obviously he this is the first time he's driving that car so um he came last in qualifying but he finished p8 and for anybody even in in the best conditions to go from last to p8 is is a huge feat and this guy showed up never having driven this car and 30 minutes later he was like he was racing it it was amazing yeah that was in the uk at silverstone and oh silverstone yeah yeah cuz he did both of those races yeah it's not an easy one to jump into like i think physically also like formula 1 drivers have to yeah. do so much and to take care of their physical body and like prepare it for each race um that just doing that in itself is is a big deal too 
I think Nico Hulkenberg was definitely standout performer of, of the year for sure. I mean, you have to mention Lewis Hamilton, right? Given everything, like he he walks through every year with the championship. It's amazing. It's amazing what he does. He puts in a lot of hard work, and you can see it when he brings the results. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think the whole team does. Like Valtteri Bottas is amazing. Like I said, he's my favorite driver. And and this is the reason, right? Is because he, he I mean, it's one of the interesting dynamics of Formula One is that your teammate is your biggest rival because he's the only guy um, in the same car, right? So there, it, it's hard to make an apples to apples comparison in Formula One because everybody's driving different cars except your teammate. Like it's very clear who's faster of the two. And, and I mean, let's be honest, Lewis Hamilton is probably the greatest driver ever in Formula One. Yeah. Uh, he's just born with this godsend talent. I mean, he's worked really hard for it. For sure. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. Everyone, all of the all of the drivers have, but I mean, he's just so fast. He's much faster than everybody. Like, he's, yeah, he's like, he's like born to race Formula One. Um, and that, that's why Valtteri is my favorite driver is because he's the only person who has to wake up every single day and go to work and his only job is to beat the best guy ever to ever race. And nobody else has, has that kind of, res- like, not responsibility, but nobody else has that kind of pressure, right? And still, he goes to work every single day. He races the same car. He beats Lewis Hamilton in many cases. You know, he races him on track. He'll beat him in qualifying. And every day, he comes back the next day with the same amount of energy and the same amount of focus, right? It's, like, it's demoralizing when your teammate is the greatest person to ever race and he just destroys you in everything he does but this guy comes back the next day with the same focus like it's great i mean but nico rosberg did beat lewis yeah for sure it's and um, it's not easy to do that it's not totally easy. it's not easy to do that. Um, nico rosberg is also a great driver like he's one of my favorites for sure yeah um i actually also since we're talking about teams I think in terms of Mercedes, there like there's so many components of this, but of the team. But I think I have to give special shout out to the Mercedes social media managers <laughs> and communications team. Oh, that's a huge win. So they good. are amazing. They do a phenomenal job. They always have the funniest and the latest jokes. And they aren't afraid to, like, make it light and humorous. And They are the meme lords of F1. They really are. My favorite thing that they did was making Among Us characters for Valtteri and Lewis. It was so on point. It was amazing. Another really funny thing that they did was, uh, say, if you remember last year, so the 2019 season, Mercedes was, uh, uh, in Germany, they were celebrating 125 years of motorsport. Mm-hmm. And that race... You know, they went, everybody was dressing up in like, you know, vintage costume and all the drivers were wearing new clothes and the cars were painted a different color back, you know, historically how most of these cars were painted. And everybody was like, this is going to be an amazing celebration. And they just bombed that race <laughs> so bad. Valtteri hit the wall. He was out. Uh, you know, Lewis got, he had, he, he had issues. Like he came 11th place. Like these are cars that should have been one and two and they were, they got, you know, zero points out of that race. It was ridiculous. Like, 
it was so depressing for the entire team. And you had Toto Wolf saying we should have just not done all this celebration. You know, we should have just focused on the race. We would have done a lot better. Uh, and then this year, Ferrari says, you know, we're celebrating a thousand uh, GPs with thousand thousand races. We're gonna do our old liveries and our we're gonna repaint our cars to look like how they were looking fifty years ago or whatever. And the official Mercedes racing, you know, F1 racing team, uh, social media manager account, they went onto every single Ferrari post across all social media pages that, you know, announced, making that announcement about the new paint. And it's, and they just commented, worked out really well for us last year. And they left it at that. It was so funny because they, they can laugh at, they can laugh at themselves about it. Um, and they you know, just bring funny stuff to Formula One, which is otherwise a very intense and serious sport. I, I actually remember when I saw that, I I was laughing. I was just like, I couldn't stop. I was like, of course they did that. Um, but actually also, um, another team that does a really good job with their content is, I think, is McLaren. They do, their videographers are amazing with their like unboxed episode. And I don't know if you saw their like, 2019-2020 like rewind called No Strings Attached where they have like these these puppets of Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris watching all of their McLaren unboxed videos back. It's so funny and so well done. Um, they really do have a lot of creative minds in Formula One as well, like in their communication scheme. And as a communications person, I think it's great. I enjoy all of it. Like all of it. It definitely helps like preserve the experience too of like you're not just watching the race or the qualifiers every weekend. You're experiencing all of this um, like in real time as they're communicating stuff. One other team I think we should talk about is Racing Point and the Aston Martin. I don't I don't know what to call it. Like I I guess explain it to me as a newbie. I don't fully understand. Are they becoming Aston Martin? Like what's happening? Racing Point. It's funny or as some might call it this year, tracing point. <laughs> oh no! Uh, yeah, so you you can't you can't talk about this team and then not and then not discuss what happened this year and what's happening. No, agreed. I think that's that's true. So last to fill people in, this year, um, early in the year, especially they were. I I don't know if accused is the right word. What is the right word? So basically, they were people were like saying that the Racing Point car is essentially Mercedes's twenty nineteen car, and that's why they were as fast as they were on the grid, and that's why they were doing as well as they were. Um, yeah, because last year they were not that fast, and then somebody at Racing Point had the great idea saying, "Hey, we use a Mercedes engine. Why can't we make a car like the Mercedes? Because that car is super fast. So let's just copy as much as we can." And in, in their defense, you know, it's it's very hard to just copy in Formula One. You really have to understand the engineering, and they did. They did. They did a good job about it. Um, but but that's why uh, they got a lot of flack for being, you know, the pink Mercedes because they paint their car pink. So it, it almost felt like they just picked up last year's Mercedes, painted it pink, and then raced it this year. And the reason this is controversial for people who might not know, because they every team has to develop a certain like amount of 
their car themselves they can't just buy those products off the shelf or like copy another team's um they have to do development work of their own that made them like copying fully copying the mercedes car was just like completely out of the question and and actually when you do look at the cars like it was like a super close copy like you can tell where the inspiration came from there's, there's no question about it and and uh, they were pretty open about it. they were like look our car is using the mercedes engine platform it only makes sense that our car is as close to the fastest car in the grid as possible right so let's do what we can and and they were mostly within the rules yes there were a few parts that they did get dinged on and they had to pay a fancy fine uh, i think it was like 400000 pounds or something like that um which in formula 1 world you know it, it's not the biggest fine but it's a fine um but they raced the car they did really well they were p4 in the championship this year like that's great and then like i said you know next year they're becoming aston martin and rosesh do you want to give some history about the owners um yeah well so before it was racing point this team was force india and owned by vijay malia and then um basically stuff happened and lance stroll's dad they went bankrupt to, yeah that's what happened yeah. I, I mean <laughs> i was trying to put it gently but yes okay so that happened and then lance stroll's dad tight um got investors involved and ended up buying the team and they made it racing point and now they're moving to um they're rebranding the team and they're partnering with Aston Martin. Yeah, yeah, and I think actually uh so that the owners of of um Racing Point so Lawrence Stroll his son Lance is actually one of the drivers at Racing Point. Uh it's a controversial that you know he just bought the team and made his son a driver. But hey, I think Lance did a great job. He raced really well this year. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, he raced this tire in his spot. I'd say. Yeah, sure. I think now at this point he's on his spot for sure. Um, and and I think they so they ended up buying Aston Martin, the the car company. Like they bought the whole company, and that's why Racing Point is now becoming Aston Martin Racing because they're like, hey, oh we own this God. company, so. I didn't realize they bought Aston Martin. I thought yeah. Aston Martin like wanted to get back in the game. Oh my god, oh, that's hilarious! I didn't know that either. <laughs> that's one approach, yeah. I guess. Yeah, they, they they bought. I mean, Formula is a heavily money driven sport, right? That's changing. Yeah. Uh, but everybody in Formula One has a lot of money, uh, and they're usually pretty successful business people and pretty successful companies. That because it's an expensive sport to be in. Like every, I think. This year, Mercedes had a budget of like almost five hundred million dollars for the sport, right? Like that's that's a lot of money for sure. That's and that's one team, um. So it's expensive and rich people are involved. In. But yeah, and then there are teams that don't that run on like a quarter or a fifth or an eighth of that budget, yeah. and still produce a Formula One car. So, um. I think the other thing with Racing Point Aston Martin that we need to talk about is that Sebastian Vettel is moving to this team oh. next year, leaving Ferrari, right? Yes. Yeah, he's leaving Ferrari, and I think his stint at Ferrari was was kind of not the best. I mean, it was definitely not the best. He was world four time world champion when he left Red Bull, and you know you can make the argument that why would you leave a winning team? But he moved to Ferrari because I mean. Lewis says it as well. Like 
every F1 driver wants to be a Ferrari driver. Everybody wants to drive the red car. Everybody wants to wear the red suit. And, you know, Ferrari is Ferrari and F1, like, it's legacy. But I, I, I think, I don't know, Sesh, if you agree, but I just don't think he gelled at Ferrari. I don't think the personalities gelled. I don't think, like, they worked well together. So yeah. he, he won a bunch of races, but they never won a championship. Um, I mean, and he was close to getting a championship with Ferrari. I think it it just, there there was something that just, like, didn't work as well for them, even that year that he almost won. He was so close, but just that much short of it. Um, and then I think then right. when Charles came, I think it changed a lot in the team itself too, because there was this kid who was doing so much better than him or able to get a lot more out of the car than him. So, Yeah, yeah I think he wanted, he wanted a change. So he's moving to Aston Martin. Um, he's replacing Sergio Perez, who's now moving to Red Bull. Uh, officially, but, but yeah, I think yeah, officially, I think uh, I think Sebastian. So I personally am a huge fan of Sebastian. Like I think he's a Same. great driver. He, he has this old dog, you know, vibe because he was a world champion four times, but it's been six six seven years since that uh, since that time. And he's not he's not that old. Like he's younger than Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, I think he's a great driver. He's great. He'd be great for the team. Yeah, he brings a lot of experience. I I agree with you. I think he's an amazing driver, and obviously, like the world titles definitely speak for itself in that regard too. But um, I think he'll bring a lot to the team in terms of development, and just like I think that shift for him, just yep. moving out of yep. Ferrari, is going to be huge for him getting into a fresh mindset and starting a little bit yeah, exactly. from scratch i think it'll be really good for him yeah what about other drivers in general 2021 there's been a lot happening i feel like so what can listeners and what can we expect from the next season i think the biggest thing we have to like with the new drivers coming in the biggest one of course is mick schumacher I think that him joined the sport again. I mean, so he's the son of like one of the best drivers in history. Yes, the guy who holds the same records Lewis Hamilton holds. His son is joining the sport. Wow. When you think F one, you think like Michael Schumacher, right? I mean, and Senna, but even if you you don't follow F one, like even if you just heard of F one, what you've heard of is Michael Schumacher, and and to me, like the reason he's probably the greatest driver ever is because. Anybody who doesn't even know F1 knows knows Michael Schumacher. Like, he's the guy. Um, and I think he really put Formula 1 on the map for a lot of people who are not into Formula 1. Um, maybe it's my generation, I, I don't know. But uh, I think that that's definitely true for a lot of people. Uh, and to have another Schumacher in Formula 1 would be great. Yeah, it's also crazy that, like, he's joining the sport. And I, I like, remember watching Michael Schumacher race Michael and Ralph Schumacher actually race with Kimi Raikkonen and Kimi's still on the grid and then his son is now on the grid too which I think is I think is both hilarious and just like amazing and um it'll be it'll be cool to see them drive uh I mean I know that I mean he's a different person obviously he's not his dad but I think like he also there's a lot of expectations with that name that come that are associated with the name 
Yeah, I think the the other thing that'll really be cool for next year. Some of the pairings are like so power packed. Uh, it's going to be ridiculous. Like, I mean, the Mercedes team is like, I mean, technically we don't know whether Lewis Hamilton will sign, but I think he's going to sign. I think the the Mercedes team will be the same. Lewis and Valtteri. I think that's a power packed team. Uh, the Ferrari team is going to be Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. I think. I mean, Charles is an amazing talent. Sainz is also an amazing talent. I think they'll be so good like together they'll be i mean you have some great on track battles with those two right oh for sure um, i am a little sad though that carlos sainz and lando norris aren't going to be teammates just a little bit but you know it's going to be daniel ricardo and, and lando norris and that's going to be an amazing team as well yeah they're both hilarious they're both fun off the track they're both intense on the track um it's going to be like, so much and fun and mclaren's going to have a fast car next year as well so it's going to be a lot of fun so that's that's Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren. You're gonna have um, the Red Bull team is gonna be amazing because you're gonna have Max Verstappen, who's like arguably, you know, set up to be the greatest driver ever. Like he could be the next Lewis Hamilton if he has the right car and the right team. And he's gonna be with Sergio Perez, who's gonna push him hard. Uh, and Sergio's an amazing talent. Like he uh, he's had misfortune because he's been in slow cars his entire career but now he's going to be in a you know championship contending car which is going to be great to watch that's four out of ten teams have like power packed teams like even renault has esteban ocon who's an amazing talent and they're getting back um fernando alonso who's like a legend in the sport you know world champion as well i think multiple multiple time world champion he's been out of the sport for a couple of years he's coming back that's five teams. Uh, Racing Point has Sebastian Vettel, uh, who's you know new, most experienced driver in one of the newest teams, and or Aston Martin, I guess. Um, and they they're trying to develop a new championship-winning car, and he'll help them. I, I just think like next year's grid, the grid shuffle for next year was so interesting to watch this year, and it's going to be really power-packed next year. Yeah, I think like and even next year, like watching the grid get shuffled again, because I think a lot of these drivers are on one-year contracts because of the way the sport is changing. I think even like Alpha Tari, the um, getting having Gasly in that seat is amazing. He did a great job this year with all of his races, uh, and then have bringing in new talent too with Yuki. So I think it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And of course, like a Japanese driver on the grid again. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for it. It's nice because Japan is my favorite track. Uh, so. Yeah, that's true. Japan is your favorite track. Also, Valtteri's favorite track. Coincidence. Mm-hmm. Great I think like. not. I think it's not a coincidence. It is 100 coincidence because I told you that it was my favorite track before I knew it was Valtteri's favorite track. I feel like somewhere deep down inside you, you already <laughs> knew. <laughs> He's a true fan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what do you think the teams will be like next year? Like, do you think Ferrari will be able to improve their car? Do you think Red Bull will be no. able to match Mercedes? No, I, I think I think it'll be probably I think it'll be probably similar to this year. I think I mean Ferrari's like Matteo Binotto, who runs the Ferrari team. He's kind of said in on in public as well that hey, we're probably not gonna have a championship winning car anytime soon. Well, until all the regulations change, and we're going to have completely new generation of cars coming in 22. Um, so that's when the field will kind of level set automatically. Like, everybody will be on the same playing field again. 
but I, I don't think next year Ferrari will will be closer to Mercedes. I'm just gonna go cry now. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little sad. That's true. Uh, Red Bull might be a little closer, but I, I still think, like you know, broadly we'll be in the same same championship order. It, it the the midfield fight is always fun to watch, right? Like yeah. what's gonna happen with Aston Martin? What's gonna happen with McLaren? Where will Renault be? Um, and where will Alpha Tori be? I think those are like the more fun questions. Yeah, I think even like this year between like McLaren and Racing Point, um, what will be Aston Martin next year? They like they were so close. It was the last race that decided who was P three in the constructors' championship. So. And even then, it's only because it's only because one of the racing points had an engine failure and they couldn't finish the race. Had they finished the race, it would have been so much closer. Yeah. So, Isabel, where can you go if you want more Formula <laughs> One content? So, if you want more, um, if we've piqued your interest, if you're already a fan and you want more, we have a bunch of different suggestions. Um, as we've mentioned, the Drive to Survive series on Netflix, currently there are two seasons. Third season was filmed this year, so it's all super recent, recent drivers. It's a great starting point. It's where I started. Um, highly recommend. There's also a Formula One app, which is a great resource, especially if you want to get into fantasy, um, which we'll talk about to wrap things up here, too, how our fantasy teams did. Um, but the app is just a great resource. We've also mentioned that all of the teams have really solid social media presences so you know checking out the different drivers themselves the team accounts mercedes mclaren some standouts but they do a really good job of like providing a lot of information and um from there you can also find you know individual resources danny ricardo has uh, an interview on armchair expert which is dex shepherd's podcast like vicar mentioned there are just like loads of resources you can get into once you get past that surface level too so I don't know. Feel free to like Google it. Just get into it. And of course, you can always DM us because we are always happy to talk about Formula One. I think uh, you mentioned a great point. We do need to talk about our fantasy team results. <laughs> it has to come up. I, I thought I did. I think I win in the team names department. I think I had the most creative <laughs> team names. Um, my team names were my faves. Lando's glass of milk. And rustling it to the top. Heck yeah. Go Russell. See, my, my team was was team one and team two. Bless and I placed P1, so I don't think it matters what the team name was. So just want to put it out there to the universe <laughs> that I won the fantasy league. I just want everyone to know that like I while I respect that you came in first. You can't, you got that win in the last two weeks. It was very close. That's true. It was very close. And in fact, like I started off really well. I actually started off, I was like, after the first race, I was like fifth in the country because I was doing so well. Like I was like fifth in the United States, like out of like, I don't know, 50,000 people, right? I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. And then obviously it was all downhill from there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but by mid-season, I was doing so terribly. I was like, what is happening? I need to really like get my game on. And then I made some like like good changes and good decisions. And then I started to catch Sage because she was so far ahead. And then in the last two weeks... Uh... That's when he caught me. Actually, the reason I feel like... The true reason I feel like you beat me is because George Russell didn't win. 
and I mega drivered him. Oh, you mega drivered him. Yeah, it would have made the difference in me winning, but that's okay. You got to bet on your your guys or gals or people. And I will say, behind both of you, I was next, and there were what two yep. other people, yep. so I didn't yep. come last. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my teams was up there in like I don't know the top five or something. <laughs> we we are applauding you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay, well, we're coming to the end of our Formula One discussion. Huge thank you to Vikram for joining as our first official guest. Um, hope you had fun here. I think we both definitely had a lot of fun talking with you all about Formula One. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me. Uh big fan really enjoyed it uh i mean formula one is amazing right love talking about it if you ever do a formula one you know episode two let me know <laughs> it'd be great <laughs> we'll bring you back we'd love yeah, to have you back you can have me back thanks for joining no thank you guys for having me and our question for you the audience are you into formula one if so did we mention your faves do you disagree with anything we said we definitely want to know so please let us up um, or if you're newer to Formula One, like I was, did we convince you to check it out? As somebody who's not traditionally into most sports, I'm still a big fan. So highly recommend. If nothing else, it's a good, um, a good item to add to your watch list for this holiday break. Add it, add it, do it, <laughs> watch, watch it. it. <laughs> And that's the checkered flag on our Formula One episode. It might have felt a little fast and furious to cover so much so quickly, but would it really be a Formula One app if we didn't move at that pace? Follow us on Instagram at isnsage and let us know what you think by sending us a DM. You can also email us at isnsage at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate our podcast and subscribe for more episodes. Bye! Bye. Podcast produced by Is and Sage. Music is Paradise by Ixon.